Rock, the musical, lands in Newcastle July 18th. Get ready to stick it to the man with the ultimate musical thrill ride based on the legendary film and with a rockin' new score from Andrew Lloyd Webber. School of Rock, the musical. Book now. Live at the Civic Theatre, Newcastle, 18th and the 20th of July. Grab your wine, put your headphones on and relax. Let's rip open the cover of the sealed section. Welcome to After Dark with Louise Wilkinson. Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store Hamilton. They say it's the oldest profession in the world. And that of a sex worker is certainly peppered with unique experiences. Tonight we're going to be talking to Morgan, a sex worker who reveals the secret behind the doors of the establishment and lets us get a little glimpse into what happens on everyday shifts. We'll also be talking to our resident relationships and sex therapist Gabrielle Laurie on Viripause and what can happen as men get older. That's all coming up tonight on After Dark. Sometimes cheeky, always fun. It's After Dark with Louise Wilkinson. Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store, Hamilton. I know we all must have preconceived ideas about the sex industry and it's safe to say we probably have some judgments around the women in the industry and the men who visit them. Our next guest is about to shatter that illusion and challenge our beliefs around the sex industry. Morgan, welcome. Thank you for having me, Lou. No problem at all. Okay, so, you know, this is a hot topic and and one that I guess people don't talk about too much, but your story about how you sort of came into the game, as it were, was uh, fairly benign. I guess people think, you know, you go into it because you have a drug habit or because circumstances have led you down that road. Yours was a little bit different to that. Yeah, I'm I'm a pragmatist. Mm. So to me, it was just a really, what would I say, an easy option to make money. It's not something I have a problem with doing. I can separate it's a service industry to me. It's just a job. Like um, I don't know, some people can be plumbers, some people can be teachers. I could, I could do that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I guess you know, putting it in that context, not everyone wants to be, wants would be comfortable being a plumber. Not everyone would be comfortable teaching kids all day long, and not everyone would be comfortable being a sex worker. But we all have our. Zones of genius, as I like to call them. <laughs> okay, so going into the going into the industry, um, you, we have had conversations before, obviously, and you, we talk about it's women um, as a species, I guess, can be quite competitive, and this is uh, she raised her eyebrows there, <laughs> but uh, you know, women can be um, a little bit competitive, and I guess this this is sort of it in its um, in its rawest form, isn't it? So, talk us through what happens when a client comes in to your establishment. Okay, well. It's a meet and greet. You're selling yourself on every level. Mm -hmm. So you go into the meeting room, which is like a lounge, maybe, and you go in and introduce yourself. Mm. And some people can, uh, how would you say, 
sell their wares. Some people can offer a menu of what they do. Sometimes it's just basically, I don't know, have you gone dress shopping? You've walked in and went, that dress is coming home with me. Mm. It's all of those things. Yep. Some of those things, none of those things. It's a very odd thing to think about or talk about. It's If you're doing it, it's just normal. Yes. But for other people, it's like, oh, my God, you're objectifying yourself. Well, yes, we are. Mm. That's what we're there to do. We're there to sell ourselves. Mm. Just like any job interview, just like any first impression, dare I say, audition. Yeah. So that's pretty much what it is in a nutshell. Right. It can be a bit confronting, but that's why you have your different persona. Yeah. And, of course, um, one client might might be drawn to one personality and one might be drawn to another. So um, it is really wide and varied in terms of, you know, who is picked to be with that client. Oh, absolutely. And the thing is to not take it personally. And as women, we know what we want. I'm not going to go and buy a dress that I don't like. I'm not going to invest in that. doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with that dress. It's Mm. just not my taste. And once you get your head around that that's what it is, it takes the the ego out of it. That's what I found. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, that is, I guess, a a big skill from that because we do as women, we we compare ourselves to each other and and often we try and compare apples to oranges and that just doesn't work in reality. Um, So I guess that would have been a very sort of steep learning curve when you started in that job, um, working out that, you know, you did have to put your ego aside to do your job. Oh, absolutely. And insecurity doesn't help you and being upset because you don't get picked is just it's ridiculous it actually makes it harder for you to make your living so the types of clients I guess when we think about this industry and we think about you know that there are a a certain type of man that that comes to an establishment like this uh I guess you found that there is no one type of man who comes to establishments like this, haven't you? Absolutely no one type of man. You're correct. There are, as the permutations and the stories are, they're just limitless. Mm. You, you can't, you can't pigeonhole and you can't stereotype. Mm. Okay. So obviously, um, you know, one thing that you have um, said to me in the past that you enjoyed was uh, rain days for tradies. So oh, we start there. Dear God. <laughs> I went to Magic Mike on the weekend. I assume it would be quite similar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So um, so there's that type. Now now go into the other types of of. Um, men that you would see and they're everyday men that you know you wouldn't look at them and and sort of think that they would go to um, an establishment like that but the stories are really wide and varied oh they? they are and some of them have actually cracked my heart open there have been cases of men coming in sent in by their wives who are undergoing medical treatments that actually made them toxic Mm. So they would dress their husbands up, put them in their suits, make them all showered and send them there because they knew that that's what they needed. That's unbelievable. How touching is that? Like That was heartbreaking. Beautiful. Whoever that woman was, I just... 
I love her. Yeah, take your hat off to her. That's that's an incredible act of love, I guess, isn't it? Um, you know, and and you've also what I what I found really interesting is you your everyday man that that comes in to visit you. Yes, it's an act. It's a sex act, and and that that is certainly part of it. But you found uh, that a lot of your clients were after something else, were you? Okay, you take the sex act off the table. That takes a limited amount of time, and time is what they're paying Mm -hmm. for, my time. Yes. So basically that's what they get. And what astonished me Mm -hmm. was the... These men that seem to be living in arid worlds, they're just so bereft of human touch. They're, they're married men. They've been married for a long time. I'm, you know, probably loving husbands, probably got great relationships, but I'd put my hand on their shoulders and it would be like the driest sponge on the planet mm. soaking up moisture, like they hadn't been touched forever. Right. And that was the thing that was really shocking. It was not even really the sex. It was just being touched by another human being. Mm. So they were basically devoid of human connection and that's what they were seeking? Yes. Yeah. That's so powerful, isn't it? And and I guess that there's there's a little bit more to you know your job and and listening to those stories and i and i guess they're in a vulnerable situation so that they they would be sharing with you um what their life is like outside of those walls yeah they have and i've heard some incredible stories some heartbreaking stories some amazing stories through it all mm-hmm. and they keep coming back yeah yeah, okay. That's really, really interesting. And I know that um, in your line of work, um, you know, you have actually ventured into something that I guess people don't really think about, and that is working with people with a disability and that there is actually a real need for this service in that space. Oh, there definitely is. You've got people that... I guess, are marginalised and they're not looked at like they are sexual beings, but everyone is. Yes. I mean, you've even got dementia patients, you've got all sorts of people that this is a real need. So there are specific training courses in the industry where sex workers can go and learn how to lift people properly if they fall, um, think about things like stomas, all of these Mm. things that are really gross. They really are. Mm. And you don't want to think, oh, I don't want to touch that person. Like Most people would not go near a person like that. Mm. And thinking about having sex with them is really, it's repulsive. So this is a service that's really important and it's really necessary and it's not talked about enough. Mm. And I know that that there's been some, some times when, you know, it's been... The carers are parents and the carers organise this for their um, their disabled children and they have just been so thankful to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and that, that must, you know, make you feel pretty pretty damn good that you've that you've been able to um, help in that way. Oh, on every level it makes you feel good. It made me feel off service and as a parent the thought that you know you're helping someone else's child I know it sounds really weird Mm. but you know this is a an adult child that's not going to experience this 
in the normal realms of their life. So you can give them something that they might not necessarily have. Mm. And that's, it's really special. Yeah, yeah. And also uh, in terms of in terms of your work, there is a very, very stringent testing process that you need to go through as a sex worker, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. You've got to get your health checks. You've got to get your STI checks. You, you, you practice safe sex and you... If you don't, and I'm sure some people in the industry don't, like there are levels of um, professionalism and standards in every industry, and some people are not as stringent as others, mm. but it's a very stupid thing to do. Yeah, and and I guess um, one of the things that um, that I've I've sort of heard you say in the past is that um, you know. Uh, people who sort of go out and date, uh, you know, and might pick someone up on a Friday or Saturday night probably aren't as risk-free as what you would find in uh, an establishment. Absolutely. Yeah. It just blows my mind. I've, I've heard people go, oh, but he looks clean. I'm like, did you practice safe sex? Oh, no, he looked clean. I'm going, so the chlamydia... Mm. statistics that are going through the roof at the moment you're not worried about that yeah and they're just oh but you know and I'm like oh no yeah no yeah yeah um yeah and it's um you know it's it's pleasing to see that you have those those strict things in place and that you you know you have to hand in testing and and that sort of thing on a very regular basis and um you know your your practices are that way uh Morgan this has been an absolutely fascinating chat and I really thank you for opening up on this subject because it is something that people don't talk about and you know I think it's demystified um, and humanized this industry a little bit this talk and it was just so fascinating to to hear about the stories that have come your way over these past few years and I really really thank you for being so transparent with us oh you're welcome and thank you for having me it, it's actually been a pleasure to do business with you We all know the brain is the biggest sex organ, so it's no wonder there's a fair bit of psychology behind our sexual practices. Our resident sex and relationships therapist, Gabrielle Laurie, helps us navigate our way around the bedroom, or whichever room takes your fancy. What head are you thinking with on After Dark? Well, it's my pleasure to welcome back our resident sex and relationships therapist, Gabrielle Laurie. Oh, welcome to After Dark once again, Gabrielle. Uh, you know, we were having a little bit of a giggle uh, in the intro there, whichever room takes your fancy. And uh, yeah, we were just talking about parenthood and the challenges around that and um, locations and um, <laughs> before we went on air. So we were just, it, it was just quite funny there. But anyway, that's an in-joke, but I'm sure that all of you at home who are navigating a sex life around children can relate. But today we are talking about something that doesn't get brought up very much at all, and that is sex and ageing. Yes, and we all age, so, you know, it's really important to know this stuff. Yeah. How to keep your love life alive once you're heading into your, let's say, 50 years old and onwards sex life. Yeah. That's when the changes start. So, yeah, there's menopause for women, but there's also a menopause or viropause for men. I've never heard of that before. 
Well, they keep it a secret. Right. Okay. They so like we're... we're the crazy ones. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, but there is, yes. Okay. Right. So there yes. is actually sort of a male equivalent of menopause. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's big changes in the body in uh, both sexes. So what happens with male menopause or viropause, as it's sometimes called, I suppose men will notice that they get physical and emotional changes. Uh, they might get mood swings, poor blood circulation over at this time can make it harder to orgasm. Mm-hmm. Uh, their energy levels drop. Uh, they might feel because they're aging, they'll lose interest in sex, and then they do. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yep. If they start having negative thoughts like, oh, I'm getting older, or what if I lose my erection, or so a bit of sexual performance anxiety, can I still pleasure my partner? Have I just had it, you know, like a horse that needs to be put out to pasture? If they start thinking like that, they can give themselves erectile dysfunction and performance anxiety. Sure. And then yeah. just withdraw and shut down. Mm. because men aren't as comfortable talking about what's going on for them. So ladies with your partners, if, you know, you've been together, you know, 40 or 50 years and suddenly he's just withdrawing and sitting in the shed and no more sex, (laughs) (laughs) probably showing a bit of compassion and, and perhaps the possibility that this is happening. Right. Okay. That's really interesting. Yeah. 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 I didn't know that. So, okay. So, yeah. More importantly, men's testosterone drops. Yeah. Right. So so they get a taste of what it's like to have to be like, like a woman to get in the mood. They've got to work a bit harder to get in the mood or get their physical body to work the way they want or, and they don't like that. They've had it pretty easy. Generally, a lot of guys Mm. where, the testosterone just goes, yep, ready, here we go, blast off, done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Meaning so work required, they go, oh, what's this? <laughs> yeah, well, welcome to our world, fellas. And, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, Gabrielle uses the analogy of a bath and women are like cold baths and we need to be warmed up slowly. Uh, so this is a double-edged sword here because men are actually yeah. then starting to experience what um, like the effort that it takes to get a woman to um, to be turned on and ready for sex, right? So they have that journey. Uh, but conversely, because I'm all about equality, women, yes. we need to be applying the same techniques as we want to warm up the bath to our men if their testosterone Absolutely. is dropping down. Yeah. Absolutely. So a lot of guys, a lot of men over 50 if they're experiencing any of these symptoms, uh, then they'll lose confidence. If they're worried about whether they'll be able to get erection or keep an erection or get them in the mood or orgasm or not orgasm, if they start worrying about that, they might find it harder to, you know, just have any sexual desire. So the seduction that women needed to get themselves in the mood, uh, you might have to do that to your man. Like you might have to initiate sex more or um, reassure him you're happy with all the outer course, whether he can get hard or not. So, you know, just maybe initiate some massages or some cuddles and just take the pressure off having any orgasms at all. Just say, I just want to be close to you because I love you. I don't care if we, you know, um, if it ends in orgasm or not. So 
yeah, women can definitely play that role because what happens with women when they go through menopause is their estrogen drops, you know. Mm. Um, so they've got more testosterone. So some women after menopause want sex more. So right. men and women sometimes swap roles in the sexual sexual roles as they age in a partnership and that can be quite a shock for them (laughs) yeah wow (laughs) yeah Yeah. so so women might find themselves wanting more sex than their male partners um and but however you know you might not lubricate as easily Mm -hmm. um without estrogen so you might have to buy some water-based lube because you can also, you know, it can be a bit more painful, the vaginal lining thins, things like that. So, yeah, it's good to have some of those water-based lubes. And a lot of women go, oh, well, I don't need that. I never needed it before. But if he's struggling with his he, himself, like helping himself get in the mood and then have to get you in the mood, this can help if you're, you know, introduce a little vibrator to hold on your clitoris or you um have the water-based lube neither of you will have to work so hard to orgasm if you want to so practice when you're alone uh and then you'll know what you need and how to do it a bit yourself you know yeah why why you're helping him uh get in the mood and stay in the mood so, love that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's great. And I think it's really important to bring this to the table because it is, you know, we talk about sex and, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of literature and stuff around about, you know, 20-year-olds that are like Randy Goats, but you know, we want to have a fulfilling sex life, you know, right throughout our lives and we're entitled to it. So, you know, understanding these changes, uh, you know, probably the the biggest hormone change that we've had since we were teenagers and this all kicked in and we went, wow, what's this? It's just as big an adjustment at uh, at the age of 50 aroundabouts when those changes start actually happening with both men and women and, ha- and we have to recalibrate. Yes, it's a huge, huge phase. And a lot of people have a bit of grief and loss around um, the ease. If they had a very easy sex life together before and they didn't have to fantasise much or get toys or do much or, you know, they have a grief and loss, like it should be that easy again. But they don't realise that with a little bit of education or seeing a sex therapist, you can actually have even better sex after menopause if you make a few adjustments or after viropause that men go through. Um, so give yourself some self-compassion. Yep, you're changing into a new phase. It's uncomfortable. Um, and there's decreased blood flow so uh, to the genitals, which makes it harder to orgasm. Mm-hmm. So but there is ways to still have a great sex life. And one of, one of the best ways to make sure you will have a great sex life um, as older lovers, is to keep fit and healthy. So mm. exercise, uh, eating eating well, eating lots of veggies and salad, uh, all of this will keep your body parts. Like uh, athletes, male and female athletes, can have just as much sex as young people. Yeah. At their age. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's, everyone should be getting out there. <laughs> on the <laughs> treadmill, come on. If, yeah, yeah. If you, if, you, if you were lacking motivation, I can't see what would be better motivation than that, Gabrielle. Yes. Maybe you yes. should maybe you should get a, a gym sponsorship and um, and oh tout my God, that that's too. A great idea. 
<laughs> Shout that to uh, to prospective gym clients. Uh, yeah. 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 If you don't want your sex life to go down the tubes, maybe you should exercise. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look, we always have – it's so educational, but we always have a good laugh and I love it. So, (laughs) Gabrielle, thank you so much once again for joining us on After Dark. That was our resident sex and relationships therapist, Gabrielle Laurie, and you are listening to Newcastle Live Radio. Sometimes cheeky, always fun. It's After Dark with Louise Wilkinson. Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store, Hamilton. Always a pleasure to have your company And I really hope that you spend this weekend counting your orgasms as opposed to counting your merchandise on stock take because July 1st is tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. Happy end of financial year and I hope that you make this weekend count. I'm Louise Wilkinson. It's always a pleasure to have your company on After Dark. Grab your wine, put your headphones on and relax. It's time to rip open the cover of the sealed section and delve deep. But be warned, it's adults only. It's After Dark with Louise Wilkinson from 8pm every Thursday night, only on Newcastle Live Radio. Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store Hamilton.